It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Talk to JT. As we are rolling on on the biggest topic in the NFL, who will be the Raiders quarterback? This is nothing to dive into and look crazy about. Have we lost our bleeping mind? Look, the elephant in the room is the majority of our audience are Raider fans, and they would like the Raiders to win now. They don't want to rebuild. They don't care about two or three years. The last 20-plus years have been hard, and they're sick of it. Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. Are you kidding me? It's an absolute free-for-all with the Raiders on national radio debate shows. Everybody now is throwing blank up against the wall. No, no, no. Who are you listening to? Who, who's putting this in your head? But what happens next is what should this team do that's responsible, not reckless, makes sense, and could kind of thread the needle and get this team back to greatness. Are you with me on that? Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. And now. Sound off like you got a pair. Here's JT the Brick. All right, JT, back with you as we continue our number two of the show. And we are brought to you by Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas. They have March Madness covered for you. Cassie Beach House, when you look at all the restaurants they have, Night and Market, Olives, One Steakhouse, that's where I like to go. They're going to have the TVs up and running all over the property, especially the new sports book that is up and running, the Shag Room, all of that. If you're looking for a place locally or to bring friends from out of town, they are completely involved and locked in and they have plenty of activations going on for March Madness Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday they have a country music start performing everything's going to be great thanks to Virgin Hotel so re-upping with us proud partner of the show Omar Omar Ruiz from NFL Network in a few minutes I want to get a couple calls in who waited way too long on hold frustrated Raider is in Pomona California you're up next go ahead hey what's up JT uh thanks for the call it's funny, you know, I just got to say I'm a little frustrated with the whole Waller thing. You know, an elite wall, elite tight end like Waller who can stretch the middle of the field, I don't think it's a great move for a late third-round pick, which, you know, pretty much is a fourth-round pick when you look at the compensatory picks that were just awarded to the Niners. It's actually on the bottom of the third round, so it's basically a fourth. I mean, the Giants have the 88th or 89th pick, too. I mean, Ziegler couldn't swindle or fucking demand that. Oh, stop with the – stop, drop oh, that, sorry. Bobby. Thank you. Thank you. And no, Ziggler got what he could get for him. You don't think that Ziggler was on the phone with everybody in the league to get better than a third round pick for Darren Waller? It wasn't the pick for Waller. It was removing the contract from the Raiders. It was the burdensome contract that they wanted to move on from. It wasn't about getting a pick for Derek Carr. That would have been fantastic. It was about moving on from the new money and the contract of Derek Carr. If you don't understand this, I can't help you out anymore, everybody. It's not about the pick. The pick is important. They're trying to move contracts that they don't see value in. They didn't see value in the current contract of Waller going forward, scoring only five touchdowns and missing a lot of games in two years. I said this about Derek Carr. If he won more games and Waller played in more games, they'd both be here. I mean, do you really think this is personal? I got idiots on Twitter saying, well, you know, he let him get married to an ace and then they moved him. Like, do you really think that came into play? They're looking at the contracts. They got like 50 scouts in the room, a whole bunch of football people. They're trying to evaluate what they have going forward. They're getting ready for the draft. I think more so than free agent. The draft is everything to them. They have a lot going on. We're finding out that they might have traded up for the number one pick. And they're moving off of contracts that they don't think are doable anymore. 
That's it. No conspiracy theories. No, that, no, not that Dave Ziegler just threw away Waller and didn't care about what he got in return. They're working their ass off to get value at every position. They wanted to move on from Carr, Waller, and a bunch of other guys if you've been paying attention. There's more to come. I've been telling you about this for six months. They're deconstructing the roster from the former regime and the value of those players. That's it. It's nothing personal. As I bring in the great Omar Ruiz from NFL Network, let's begin Waller to the Giants. That was kind of a shocking move in Raider Nation and around the league. Hey, JT, good to, good to be with you. Yeah, shockwaves here at NFL Network. You know, we have the free agency frenzy, and that one certainly uh, was the breaking news variety. Darren Waller, one of the more electrifying tight ends in the game, and I think, JT, you'd agree, when, when he's healthy, when he's right, he's you know, arguably the most talented tight end in football. So moving on from him is certainly shocking. But, you know, I, I heard your comments before, you know, I jumped on here, and, and I have to agree with you here is, is they're building the best, you know, team uh, top to bottom. Uh, the 11 picks coming up here, um, whether they're moved for other pieces, whether they take and utilize all those picks in the coming draft, they are looking to build this team 1 through 53 as best as possible and moving Darren Waller for that commodity and the 100th pick in the draft um, essentially does that going forward and, and helps this offense ultimately, not necessarily right now, but ultimately become a better one. Omar, you've been doing this a while. When you see nationally any team in any conference decide that they're going to deconstruct the roster and rebuild it in the likeliness of the new GM, you know, a guy like Harry, Howie Roseman in Philadelphia, we know what he can do, and we know what they're doing in Kansas City. They could lose a piece or two and then get it back in the draft and get the value there. There, There's teams near the bottom that are trying to get more wins, and they got to jump into free agency a little bit more. What has been your philosophy over the years of the teams that swing big at the start of free agency. I usually think those are the teams that are in the most trouble and they got to get something brewing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's the teams that make the subtle moves are typically the ones that are best. Now, obviously you have an exception like uh, Philly, you mentioned last year using Howie Roseman to trade for AJ Brown, but that was a trade essentially for an extra pick that they had in the first round um, that they, but it wasn't, you know, signing a big blockbuster now they gave him the extension, but it's not just chasing players at all times. And it's, it's, it's taking a team like Philadelphia, for instance, in 2021 that got to the playoffs without A.J. Brown. Then you get that player to take them over the top. But if you're trying to build a team through free agency, it just doesn't work. We've seen it time and time again. And I know that the NFL and the finances and the quarterback position, all of that has changed over the last 10 years. But ultimately, what continues to remain the same are the teams that are competitive, are the ones that build through the draft, add pieces as they go, and ultimately find that playoff success um, with a couple difference makers like the Rams a couple years ago and, and Tampa Bay uh, the year before that. But, you know, ultimately you look at the Chiefs and uh, teams that kind of build from the inside out, and then you add a piece like, you know, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, and, and even though they moved on from Tyreek Hill, they got a bunch of role players that helped them build another Super Bowl champion. Omar Ruiz is our guest, NFL Network, longtime host, reporter, contributor. This Lamar Jackson thing is pretty interesting to me. We're starting to realize what he thinks he was offered when it comes to the guaranteed money, and I have the right to believe him. He's his own agent, but the fact that he doesn't have his own agent 
is leaving money on the table. And he's 26 years old, and he already has an MVP, and he's still out there. And that franchise tag of $32.4 million, Omar looks really cheap considering how great he is and what some of these quarterbacks like Daniel Jones are making. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic with, with Lamar Jackson in that, yes, you know, when you look at what he could have gotten after year three, which is what, you know, so many of these kind of blockbuster type of quarterbacks, franchise quarterback, MVP types, you know, whether you're talking about Josh Allen or, or uh, whether it was Carson Wentz and Jared Goff back in the day, getting those huge contracts after year three, the money he left on the table at that point uh, is water under a bridge at this point. I think what he's seeing is if the Ravens offered him something he put out on Twitter, three years, $133 million guaranteed, if he tests the market, um, you know, and hoping somebody else might offer, just take that one team to be willing to, to kind of go bigger than that and force the Ravens' hand to see if they want to match it or not or, or get those first-round picks. I think, you know, he's hoping that one of those 31 other teams can step to the table and, and deliver on that much more guaranteed money. But, you know, in terms of $133 million in three years, or $153 million, I think it was 51 per uh, JT, that's a lot of money for you and me to pass up and, and sort of unfathomable, you know, probably for the rest of uh, most of us Americans. Now, what do you think about what Sean Payton's done early in free agency, especially getting two starters on the offensive line? What does that signal about the work he has to do with Russell Wilson and gaining his confidence back? Yeah, you got to protect him. I mean, I think, you know, he'll try to turn him as best as he can into a Drew Brees, but with more mobility. But, you know, Russell Wilson has always wanted to be seen as a pocket passer, and he wants to be like Joe Montana and win a bunch of different Super Bowls, but that's not necessarily his game. But with Sean Payton's coaching, to get him the protection, to have the confidence to deliver from the pocket, and then in times of duress, of course, continue to use his legs. But I think, I think Sean Payton recognizes that, you know, ultimately in the NFL, you still got to win in the trenches. They're hoping to do that in Denver. That's going to lay the foundation for Russell Wilson's success. Because let's face it, JT, uh, he's on the back end of his career. We saw mm-hmm. that he might not have the elusiveness that he once did. He's now going to have to deliver from the pocket and hope that you know his escapability only le- leads to big plays downfield, not necessarily the running game that he used to have in Seattle. A friend of the show, Omar, Omar Ruiz, is our guest. I thought the Bills has ha- have had a couple-year window to win the Super Bowl. I thought they've been the best team in football the last two years and have come away without a title. Losing Tremaine Edmonds I thought was a massive loss for his skill set sideline to sideline. They take care of Matt Milano, but overall, do you think Buffalo in that division, too, where Miami's getting better, clearly the hold with the Jets and what's going to happen there, and then you know, New England, Bill Belichick is always going to put that team in a position where they're going to always compete and be good. What about that window for the Buffalo Bills as they're losing players now because they were competing for a Super Bowl back-to-back years? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough situation, and you look back at last year, the unfortunate injury to Von Miller, who was supposed to be the piece to get them over the hump. You know, we talked about kind of building through the draft, and you had a piece like a Von Miller to get you over the hump, and it didn't deliver, and, and the devastation you could, you could sense from the Bills, not only everything that they had gone through from an adversity standpoint throughout the season, but just the devastating loss uh, there against Cincinnati at home for that window that you talked about, all the expectations that are there. And it's hard to sustain. It's hard to sustain after you have those sort of losses. But, you know, you think you have Von Miller coming back um, this year. Josh Allen, you know, hopefully continues to improve uh, at a rate. They find a way to get Stephon Diggs happy. And then you got to, you know, just like all these teams, whether it's Kansas City 
or the Rams the last few years before last season. You've got to hit those picks in the draft. And so, you know, a guy like Tremaine Edmonds is going to leave, and they're going to have these other departures. What happens when you have good teams, you have good players, guys get rewarded from other teams, and they sign in free agency. But you've got to replenish through the draft, and Brandon Bean uh, and his crew have continued to plug holes you know, through the draft, and they've got to continue that, especially so here in 2023. Hey, Omar, as we wrap it up, you're at the Combine. Now you look at free agency. There's a lot of other teams out there that just want to get picks. They want to get picks now. They're going to retain some of their players. They're not going to go big at getting other players because the scouting department, the GM, and their team is just looking for the draft to maximize that. What's your philosophy on that? A little bit of shopping beforehand because not everybody could have a great draft. But last year we saw Kansas City and Seattle hit home runs. Seattle had a great year with Geno Smith, and Kansas City won the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's kind of how I'd build it, you know, kind of get – get value you know you i think you you started the conversation here by looking at the raiders roster trying to get value for the players that are out there right now and i think the smart teams do that here in free agency and then they look to build their team through the draft and i I think you know you made great examples with seattle who kind of came out of nowhere a lot of people thought that they were in a rebuild mode and and they hit big time on that rookie class last year and they became a playoff team and then the kansas city chiefs a lot of people thought that their run in the AFC West would end heading into last year, and then they get six different rookies at one point playing in their secondary alone. And so they hit big on that rookie class. And that's the type of um, you know, front office savvy that you have to have to continue to win. You look at Seattle and Kansas City, those are teams that have won for years. And Seattle, of course, haven't won a Super Bowl in a while, but you know, there seems like they're as close now, um, you know, uh, assuming they hit a, another good draft here upcoming uh, next month to do that. And, and Kansas City obviously just did it. So uh, I think that's the strategy. And you mentioned Philadelphia, too. I think, I think they're in position now to win consistently for a long time. Teams that consistently do that hit those picks, add those pieces in free agency, and that's what we're seeing right now in the NFL. Last one. I love a topic that can last a couple of days a week in the offseason. It's great by me. As a content provider, have you ever seen anything close to Aaron Rodgers making the Jets wait. The Packers know what they have. He's in their building. They've been dealing with him. But what he's putting the Jets through and the way everybody's monitoring this, I mean, I wouldn't say this is a first-timer, but I can't recall many times where a player under contract with another team is asking so much from a team he hasn't been officially traded to yet. Uh, It's remarkable. I mean, we've seen those sort of demands from players who are currently on the roster, like Aaron Rodgers himself. The past few years, in order to come back, you know, he wants to see X, Y, and Z happen by the Packers front office, but never before, you know, for a, a team that he's not even on and, and holding up the business in the NFL. And from a Jets standpoint, it's you better hope that this works out because at this point, it seems like there is no backup plan because Zach Wilson, there's no way he regains that locker room after the way the reaction of the, some of his teammates have expressed for the possibility of Aaron Rodgers coming to that locker room. And so, and Jimmy G, you know, one of the other quarterbacks that were rumored to be attached to the Jets, obviously now in Las Vegas. So uh, I think we're seeing here in a two, three, four day, maybe a couple week window, everything that the Packers have experienced over the last several years, I think it's been about three, four off seasons now, why they're ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers as great as he is. The Jets are now experiencing before Rodgers is even on their roster. Take care, my friend. I always value your work, you coming on with me, and always having great information. All the best. All right, you too, JT. Appreciate it, man.
Omar Ruiz, NFL Network. Uh, the reason we had him booked was not for Darren Waller. We had him booked for Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be done by now, and he's not done by now. So it's just crazy when we sit back here and we look around at what could happen. Remember, we think Darren Waller's a big story, and it's a massive story. It's a massive story, no doubt about that. But I think the bigger story is Aaron Rodgers right now. Aaron Rodgers right now is the bigger story as we continue on. Let me get out to the calls again. I got two that have been waiting too long. First, Steve in Whittier, California. Steve, thanks for waiting. You're up next. Go ahead. Hey, JT, Steve, uh, you know me better as Power Raider. I've seen you. Oh, yeah. Good to talk to you, buddy. How are you? (laughs) Good. You know, I just listened to your first hour. I'm fortunate enough to work from home, so I'm able to uh, listen to your radio show. Sometimes I text you when some some things come out Mm -hmm. really good and you're on the spot. And honestly, your first hour, you hit the nail right in the coffin. This was a decision making by the Raiders. I mean, they're looking at Waller, his production. Uh, has uh, as it's been declining from 11 games to nine games, and his availability hasn't been there. Mm-hmm. And so I, I see why the Raiders did that. And as a fan for the Raider Nation, I know why a lot of us are upset. You know, because we get emotionally attached with these role models, and especially after they hired him on Hard Knocks, and being that he's from Oakland, we got him in Oakland to Las Vegas and all that. You know. A lot of us get hurt, you know, when we see those changes because, you know, Oakland slowly leaving little by little. And the fact that he had a great testimony, you know, how he, he changed things around and all that. And he became a great player. But um, I was decision making and, I, and, and I'm 100 percent with you, what you said in the first hour. So if you guys go listen to the show online, listen to everything you said in the mm-hmm. first hour. And as for Jimmy, I mean, uh, some people see it and I kind of see it as a lateral move, but. Jimmy has more wins. Uh, as long as he stays healthy, I, I think I'll be happy. But, yeah, we're going to have to trust the process. And But definitely coming with drafts, I do want to see a quarterback back get drafted. I mean, in my lifetime, uh, you know, I'm 36 years old. I've only seen two quarterbacks get drafted, and those two quarterbacks haven't been mm-hmm. good for the Raiders. I mean, we had Jamarcus Russell, and then we had Todd Marinovich, mm-hmm. and both of them, no bueno, you know, so mm-hmm. – I mean, I want to see a quarterback, and I want to see a quarterback develop, you know, uh, get drafted. And I think with, with Jimmy G, uh, that that could happen. Yeah, Jimmy G, thanks for the call. Good to hear from you, Steve. Jimmy G, if you want to call it a lateral move, I'm not going to die on the hill for Jimmy G. I'm going to get behind Jimmy G, be an employee of the Raiders and this flagship station, completely behind him like I have every quarterback. But I didn't die on the hill. You didn't hear me do show. Matter of fact, the one guy I didn't do a show on, Bobby reminded me, was Jimmy G. We were getting to Jimmy G when the deal went down. We did a show on Stidham. We did a show on Lamar Jackson. We did a show or shows on Brady and Rodgers. The one I didn't get to was Jimmy G. Q and I did a podcast today, Raiders Roundtable. I thought it was damn good, but it was before the Waller move. You know, we're both not guys who are going to say, oh, my God, get Jimmy G here first. But when we saw the contract by Dave Ziegler and the price they got him for, compared to what they were going to have to give Carr, and the fact that they didn't want Carr and they want Jimmy G, it makes a lot of sense. Same thing with Jacoby Myers. He's going to be a very productive player. Remember when Nelson Aguilar was here, how productive he was? He's going to be productive, and he's going to get a lot of balls that Waller probably would have got. Now the question becomes, what's the future of Renfro? What's the future of some other receivers that are there on the depth chart? And I think they went out and got Jacoby Myers today. And they made it official, and they'll make it official league year tomorrow because they absolutely knew who they were letting go. 
So when you say, oh, my God, you woke up today. How, why'd they get Jacoby Myers? They got Waller and Renfro. Now, one of you guys figured out that one of those guys was going to be gone? Did anybody wake up this morning in bed with their Twitter open going, holy crap, Jacoby Myers is a Raider, and not one of you said, well, who's going? Who's leaving? That's what today's about. Someone comes in, someone leaves. Someone comes in for cheaper with some upside. Maybe they're familiar with the guy. Maybe they're not. Someone goes. And only guys who stay are guys like Devontae, Josh Jacobs on a franchise tag, and Max. That's it. Everybody else is being evaluated, and many are going to leave, and new guys are going to come in and welcome them in. They're Raiders. They're here to help you win. Gangster Raider. Really interested to hear what he has to say today. Go ahead. Well, I'm highly disappointed because, like I told you, Dan Waller is my favorite Raider. Well, he was my favorite current Raider. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And to me, on certain teams, certain players are untouchable. To me, Josh Jacobs is untouchable or should have been considered untouchable. Um, Dan Waller should have been considered untouchable. And Max Crosby should have been considered untouchable. And the reason I say that is because, to me, Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller are the heart and soul of the team. And the reason I say Josh Jacobs is the heart of the team is because you can see the way he ran, you know, and the way he run the ball and the way um, he wills the team. I think the team goes as he goes. We can say that, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason I say um, Waller is the soul of the team because he – he had a lot of influence on the team as well. I think if it wasn't for him having an influence on Crosby, I don't think Crosby would be sober if it wasn't for the um, influence of Darren Waller. You know what I mean? And also, uh, other players on the team, I think he had that influence on. And I think having him on the team, especially being in Las Vegas, he could have that influence on players that we brought in because we need somebody to emphasize, you know, it's extra stuff going on out here in Sin City that they can get into. And a player like Darren Waller, who done been through that other side and came back, he could have warned the other players. That's why I think, that's why I say he was the soul of the team. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, I thought they would have learned from last year when they undervalued Josh Jacobs and how he came and proved him. I think that they, I wanted to see Darren Waller in the offense with a with better quarterback play. You know what I'm saying? And I think also Darren Waller, um, attracted other players to the Raiders because the Raiders people wanted to come and play on a squad with Darren Waller because he's like you know one of the top three, really one of the top two um, tight ends in the league when healthy. You know what I mean? And so I'm very very disappointed. And um, I'm I was believing in Ziggler and mm-hmm. McDaniel's and I'm trying to stay believing, but they're losing me. You know right. they got to do they got to do something to make me happy real soon. But I'm I'm very disappointed with this move. You understand what I'm saying, yeah, JT? That's I got you. I'm, at with uh, that, I'm fine with you, Chris in West Oakland. Appreciate it. I had a similar call. I respect all your callers. You should be disappointed today saying goodbye to Darren Waller. Darren Waller brought a lot of happiness to this team in a playoff year, and then a non-playoff year. And when he was available and he played, it was fun to see Darren play. Again, only great things to say about Darren Waller, Derek Carr, whoever you want to mention. It's just it's nice to talk to some people who are mature enough. See, that's what's great about my job. I got the people on the phones who have to consciously call me and talk to me in a respectable tone, like I talk to them. And then you got the trolls on Twitter who want to tear down the organization and have pictures of their little daughters wearing Raider dresses and they hate the team, right? You know, like we, me and Bobby just shake our head. We got this big screen in front of us, this Twitter wall, 
It, it was just it's just amazing what some people will say and they claim to be fans. Everyone could be outraged today or not. I'm just saying put together something that makes sense. Why would Dave Ziegler take this job as the GM of the bleeping Las Vegas Raiders and want to do anything other than great? Let that sink in. I was with him at an event on Saturday night with his wife. Okay, he lives here now. His children live here. He's in that room. He's trying to do a bunch of stuff at the same time and get this team right. Get this team right to where he's won multiple Super Bowls and have been in those rooms where they did it a lot better than the Raiders. A lot better than the Raiders with the draft, with decisions, and most importantly, developing players. Why would Dave Ziegler have any other agenda as a first-time GM with his entire reputation on the line not to do anything but great things? And you got fans who doubt him because they lose their favorite player. That's part of his job. Dave's got to deal with that. That's what's, that's the tough part of Dave Ziegler's job is I, if you listen to the podcast where he went on Bussin' with the boys, I think he was very open. He's been open to me. I'm going to ask him these tough questions when I sit down with him next. All he wants to do is get it right. He's not here as a spy from another country to dethrone the Raiders. He's here to try to get it right the way he and the owner think they need to get it right. Is it bumpy? Hell yeah. Today is a roller coaster day for me. Strap on the double vest roller coaster here because I like Darren Waller. But I understand it's a, it's a business decision. There's going to be a business decision with me. There's going to be a business decision with you as a fan. There's going to be a business decision with all of us. It's how we get through it and try to think about what's next. And I think with Garoppolo and Myers, two former Patriots, that they like their work ethic, their ability, what they do in and out of the building, they want those guys and some of the other guys, they wish them well, they respect them, they don't have anything to bad to say about them. On the record, they just like to move on and get their own guys here. And that's tough because you have a very smart and loyal fan base. And they, and they take everything personally. You all take everything personally. My wife and I get along like best friends. It's a miracle, especially dealing with me. And she asked me the other day, she's like, what the hell's going on with you? I'm like, yeah, it's kind of a rough week. You know, I got to do five hours a day, three more tonight. The three hours tonight are going to be on Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to sit here and do two hours of Raiders on a national show. You nuts. I did a little Jimmy G. I'll do Waller tonight to the Giants. But when I come in here, this is my priority. Win, win for Mark Davis. Win for the Shield. Win for the Black Hole. Win for our partners and sponsors. And when you've got to say goodbye to a guy like Darren Waller, who you really like and respect and you know what he's done in the community, I was at the first big event he ever put on out here. Remember the mask charade? Who didn't wear a mask? What was going on with all that? That feels like 10 years ago. And, and Darren is a great human being. So take the high road today and tomorrow and on Q's show and with the guys and Heidi in the morning, put together a Darren Waller call and wish him well and say it's nothing personal, man, and I wish you great things in New York with the Giants unless you play us. That's how grown-ass people do this. But today, let it fly, man, because I got about a half hour left. My conversation with Vinny, which I already recorded before Waller, but it's very important what you hear from Vinny on what's happening with the money and what the Raiders are doing. And then everything else, everything else. you got to be available to play for this team. And if you get injured, you better be the first one in the room and the last one to leave and get ready to play again. And hopefully the team is really healthy this year and could excel at a high level.
come with it. Garoppolo firing deep. He's got a man wide open. Sanders has it inside the 25. A ball to Emmanuel. There it is. Another Jimmy G highlight. JT back with you as we continue on. We're brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo in the silver and black. Modelo, proud partner of our show, and we're doing a lot with Modelo heading into the NFL draft, which we'll announce here in the upcoming weeks. I talked to Vinny Bonsignor earlier before Darren Waller was traded in advance of the show because Vinny has proud partners that are connected through our show and the station here, and I asked him to walk us through what happened earlier on Monday and how the Raiders came to terms with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, and uh, thanks for having me, uh, uh, JT. This you know, kind of goes back to when they obviously moved on from from uh, Derek Carr. I think they had a couple of quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks uh, in mind. Tom Brady was one of them. They knew that there were a bunch of obstacles to potentially getting him. One, that he might retire, which is exactly what he did. But also Jimmy Garoppolo. They knew that he would be available uh, at some point as a free agent, which obviously he was. Uh, and so that became their primary target uh, after, after Tom. Uh, they had to beat out a couple of teams uh, that were also in the running, among them the, te- uh, ten- uh, excuse me, the Houston Texans. But this is somebody that they feel can stabilize the position for a couple of years, uh, who knows, maybe even just one year, uh, as they go about trying to figure out their quarterback of the future, the future fa- uh, face of the franchise. Uh, but in the meantime, stabilize the offense, uh, give them uh, a chance to be more efficient offensively. If he's healthy, that's always a big if. Uh, and knows the system, understands what Josh uh, McDaniels wants. Uh, he knows Dave Ziegler from their time in New England. So it was kind of a perfect fit as a stopgap bridge to the future of the franchise. Vinny Bonsignor is our guest. Yeah, Vinny, it's interesting because I think of Jimmy Garoppolo more as a stopgap and a bridge. I think if you get two years out of him, then you don't have to get a quarterback in the top seven. You can get one later or you can wait till next year, whatever's going to happen there. So what do you think Jimmy Garoppolo will believe his role is with the Raiders coming in, knowing that he's playing with superstars, the leading rusher in Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, arguably the best receiver, Waller and Renfro up until now here. So I think Garoppolo looks at this opportunity as not only do I want to play great, if I can prove that I can keep winning like he did in New England with the 49ers, he can have this job for years to come. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. You know, and if he can stay healthy, that's been the biggest issue uh, for Jimmy Mm -hmm. G because when he's on the field, he helps his team win. I'm not saying that he's the difference maker, uh, but, you know, if you put him on a good team, he's going to be able to win. The record shows that. The statistics show that. uh, The playoff appearances show that. Uh, a, a trip to the Super Bowl uh, in 2019, they were an interception, and they being the 49ers, uh, that got dropped by uh, a safety with the 49ers away from going to a second Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He's not the reason for all of that in terms of the success, but he was a big part of it. And so I think that's a trust factor that he has now with, with, with Josh McDaniels. And again, he's going into a good situation. It's why it was appealing for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, no matter how much time they've promised him, you get on the field with Colton Miller as your left tackle, with Devontae Adams out there, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs in the backfield. That's a pretty good uh, offense for a quarterback uh, to want to be a part of. And we'll see what happens with the defense. That's always going to be the key to it all in terms of the Raiders' longevity as far as a playoff team. But from a quarterback's perspective, not a bad situation to walk into. Vinny Bonsignor from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Also, I think another deal with a lot of other fans around the country could look at it this way. You know, the Raiders are picking at number seven, and we think that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud should go one and two. The Panthers moving up to get to that number one spot was a big deal. 
What'd you hear about the Raiders potentially wanting to get up that high to get a young quarterback then? Who cares about Garoppolo? You got the face of the franchise, and with the run on these quarterbacks, could there be a top four quarterback remaining at number seven? They might all be gone there, and the Raiders are looking around at seven going, we didn't get Richardson, Levis, Stroud, or Bryce Young. Right, and I don't think the Raiders are going to um, force it there at number seven, even mm-hmm. if one of those four are there, and it's just not a guy that they're all that uh, interested in. If, if a particular uh, player uh, is, is there at seven, I think that they would jump all, all over it. Who that is, I can't sit here and say that, that, that I know. Um, I would be guessing uh, at that point. I think they do like C.J. Stroud. I think they did. Um, you know, they were pretty aggressive in, in trying to get up to number one. But at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, the, it didn't work out. There were various reasons uh, for that. And, and at the end of the day, I think the Raiders also look around and say, okay, look, you know, when you look at these four quarterbacks, let's take Bryce Young for an example. Um, he's shown, obviously, at Alabama with tremendous talent around him that he can be a really good quarterback and an efficient quarterback. Um, so you, you kind of look at him saying, okay, does that, is that what he needs to succeed in the NFL? Just great talent around him. Uh, you put him in a great situation and he's going to excel. But is, is he a guy like a Patrick Mahomes that can, you know, make other players really good around him? I don't know that that's the case. I don't know the Raiders uh, think that, know that that's the case. And in that case, if you're trading everything to go up and get him, you're kind of depleting the resources that you have to build around him. So that's, that was a little bit problematic uh, in that regard. And, and all of the quarterbacks might be in that kind of a situation. So how much are you willing to give up to bring a guy in that you're, you're definitely going to have to create a great situation around him for that player to succeed? That's, that's always the tricky part of it. Now, if you're at seven and a Will Levis – uh, is there, do you pull the trigger uh, on, on, on him? And do the Raiders have that kind of interest in him? Or, to your point, <clears throat> do you kick it down the, the road a little bit? Maybe even later on in the draft. I do believe the Raiders are going to draft a quarterback one way or another in this draft. At this point, it's whether or not they use the first-round pick, whether they use the first-round pick to, to help them move up in the draft, uh, or whether they, they wait into the second or third round to get that quarterback. All right, a couple other quick things here as we go around. Let's stay with the AFC West, where we know that Kansas City is going to lose players. But I thought Denver had a really good day to start off free agency with two big names on the offensive line. It's going to show, and they should be handcuffed a little bit with that Russell Wilson contract. They can only get so many players to come in. Do you like what the Broncos did to shore up their offensive line? As Sean Payton's going to try to fix Russell Wilson quickly so they can be a contender again. Yeah, and one way you do that is is by protecting him a little bit better, you know, and and, uh, giving him more confidence to sit back in the pocket uh, and make plays there. And obviously we know Russell Wilson can also uh, run a little bit when when need be, but but he needs to have a comfort level. He looked out of whack last year, and I don't know if he's on the wrong side of things uh, or if he just wasn't comfortable in an offense or if he just didn't have a whole lot of confidence in what was uh, around him. He just looked like a different quarterback last year compared to the confident guy we saw in Seattle. And again, one way to, to get a quarterback's confidence back up is by giving him an offensive line that he's confident in. We'll see if that's the case. They certainly put uh, a lot of money uh, in, in that regard. Um, but you know they they needed to you know they're they're a team that's that's you know been, been what fourth place in their division uh, for a while now um, they need to get out of that cellar 
uh, and start making a move upward. And so they needed to spend money. And I think to show Sean Payton, hey, we're really serious about this. Uh, and I'm sure in his discussions, you know, with, with Denver and, and, you know, contemplating whether he wanted to get back into the NFL with that job, he probably had some assurances that we're going to start really spending some money here and trying to improve this like right now. And so in a lot of ways, it's something that the, the Broncos had to do. Vinny Bonsignor for Kansas City. And let me ask you about Austin Eckler wanting out of the Chargers, or at least is that a power play? You did a great job covering the Rams, and it seemed like Aaron Donald did the same thing. Only difference in the same market is Aaron Donald won a Super Bowl, wanted more money, threatened that he was going to retire. He got more money. It feels like Austin Eckler is doing the same thing with the Chargers, underpaid, no more guaranteed money, Vinny, coming his way. This is just a power play to get more money out of the Chargers? Yeah, you got to push the buttons when you have them to push. And, and right now, um, that's what he's resorted to do. I think this is all about money, all about, you know, uh, getting him a contract uh, that he feels he deserves. And obviously, he's just not hearing what he wants to hear. You don't pull that lever uh, unless you've exhausted quite a, a few conversations uh, and phone calls and text messages, you know, with the agent and with the team to try to bridge that gap. It doesn't look like they're they're that close. And if the Chargers aren't budging, you know, then Austin's, Austin's saying, then get me out of here to a team that, that is willing to budge. And I'll tell you what, uh, there's there's three other defensive coordinators right now in the AFC West that would not mind him out of this division uh, because he's that good and, and he's that much of a handful. So I'm sure Patrick Graham uh, in, in, in Las Vegas would not be happy if Austin Eckler ended up in the NFC East or some other place outside of this division. Wrap it up with Vinny Bonsignor. Vinny, you and I also talked about Lamar Jackson, and I think the way you cover the league with all your sources, how complicated that deal would be for a team to take that money if it was big guaranteed money to put that in escrow or to wait after the beginning of free agency. Do you expect there to be a a run on Lamar Jackson after that free agent tampering and then the league year starts on Wednesday and then there'll be at least some interest in a great player with Lamar Jackson who already has a MVP and he's only 26? I just don't see it. And, you know, you, 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 you said the key word. That escrow thing um, is really worrisome or, or troublesome. Um, you know, when you when you it's, this isn't the NBA where if you give you know Kevin Durant three hundred million dollars over over five years, it just becomes a pay period. This pay period, we pay you this much. Then when that one comes up, then that much. And next year, but you know, so on and so forth. It's not like you have to put that money, all of it, three hundred million dollars, uh, into an escrow account. Um, and, and not be able to touch it. You know, uh, that's what you have to do in the NFL when you're guaranteeing that kind of money over the length of that, uh, of that kind of a deal. And there aren't a whole lot of owners that are willing to do it. That's why what Jimmy Hazlitt did in Cleveland was so problematic for the rest of the league. Um, and so here's, the, here's what it becomes. Um, you know, no team's going to want to do that, number one. Number two, if Lamar Jackson's asking price comes down, well, then really what other teams are, are doing then is just closing the deal for the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to do all the work. Uh, they're going to, a team's going to give them an offer sheet. They're going to have to wait five days for the Baltimore Ravens uh, to match it, and I'm sure the Baltimore Ravens are going to wait every second that they can uh, because that money then uh, you know, counts against the other team's salary cap, so they're going to do what they can uh, to make life difficult for the other team. And then after five days, they're going to match it, 
And what will have happened? The other team that was interested will have wasted five days, all that time, and other players that they might be interested uh, might, you know, fall by the wayside or out of their grasp because they had to wait to find out what the Baltimore Ravens were doing. So it's a complicated issue for a bunch of other teams. I think the Baltimore Ravens at this point are just waiting for either Lamar to to say, hey, okay, I'm not going to ask for that. Let's work on something else or for another team uh, to go do all of that uh, work, uh, come up with the contract that they're just going to end up matching anyway. Vinny Bonson, your last one, Vinny, from you being at the Combine and taking a look, and I know there's going to be pro days and C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. Are you leaning towards one over the other for the first pick overall at quarterback? Because I think if the Panthers wanted C.J. Stroud, they made a big, big move to do that. And if they didn't want C.J. Stroud, they didn't have to go all the way up to number one possibly to get him. Who do you think goes number one in your analysis today, even though you have plenty of time to change your mind? I mean, I guess if it was me, it would be C.J. Stroud. Uh, And I think what the Carolina Panthers wanted to do was get up there and so that they don't have to worry about anybody in front of them making the determination for them. Um, and, and they're going to say at this point, hey, um, you know, uh, this is who we think is the best player. But I also wouldn't rule out, you know, they may go up, you know, they may sit there now and in the next month or so decide, you know what, we kind of like five of these guys, you know, five of the players. doesn't even have to be a quarterback. I, I do think at the end of the day that's what it's going to be. But if they get up there and say they really like five of those guys, then they may be able to trade back again, pick up some of the assets they gave up, and still get the exact guy, one of the guys that they wanted. So don't rule that out necessarily. But if it was me, uh, the guy that I like the most in this draft is C.J. Stroud. I really like Anthony Richardson's upside. There's no doubt about it. It might take him a little bit longer. And the thing with Anthony Richardson, I think the best thing for him is just play him. You know, I don't think I, I think his his the issue is inexperience and a lack of uh, reps and lack of time. And I think he's going to have to learn on the job because I think that would do him best rather than just sitting there uh, and watching. I like Bryce Young, but you know the durability, the size uh, is is a factor as well. I like Will Levis, uh, but you know there's some flaws in his game that you kind of have to overcome. I think the safest bet is C.J. Stroud for a lot of different reasons. Vinny, always greatly appreciate your time. You're fantastic at what you do. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate you. All right, JT. Thank you for having me. All right. That was my conversation with Vinny. Worth hearing. A lot of good information there before the trade of Darren Waller. We posted a new podcast today. It was over in the building at 8 in the morning when we posted the podcast. Q and I and Lincoln Kennedy had no idea Darren Waller was getting traded. I just found out a little bit before the show, about 40 minutes before the show, So we wish Darren Waller well. Mike Garofolo reporting 12 minutes ago, the Jets are working to finalize a deal with wide receiver Alan Lazard at a number that's come up with over the last few days. So Aaron Rodgers is telling the Jets he's coming, but I want more players. Unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this before. Never. I've seen NBA players leave and come and go whenever they want, but they don't say, hey, by the way, I'm quitting on that team, which I'm under contract with. I'm coming to yours. And I'll come, but you need to get me two more All-Stars. Rodgers is holding the Jets hostage, going into a deal that hasn't been completed yet. That's a massive story. Big day today in the Raider Nation as we say goodbye to Darren Waller. Once a Raider, always a Raider. And I hope he has a big rest of his career and does great things. We love Darren Waller. They drop the puck at center. Blues have it, but they'll run out of time. 
Yuri Patera wins his National Hockey League debut. He makes 30 saves on 33 St. Louis shots. The Golden Knights beat St. Louis 5-3. Love the way the Knights are playing. I love it. I need a Stanley Cup run for my social life. I need a Stanley Cup run. JT back with you. Uh, shocking day today. Darren Waller traded to the Giants for the 100th pick overall. That's a third-round pick. Spent a lot of time today. We'll talk about it the rest of the week. Uh, just tweeting out, I got the meet hookup at meetupvegas.com from yesterday as my son wanted to eat a few steaks, and I mean that, a few steaks, before he we went back to college at ASU last night. So I got my oldest son, who's a senior at Oklahoma, on a spring break cruise. And he had two of his spring breaks wiped out for something we called COVID-19. So he's going on a spring break cruise. He's on the boat now. He's 21. He's on the cruise. So he's having fun. Mom asked one rule, check in twice from the cruise. So early on the cruise, later in the cruise, and then the other one, the young gun, is back at uh, ASU as ASU is playing in, I guess, this play-in game. Tomorrow I'll be at the View Lounge at Stratosphere. It's called now the Strats. And when you walk in, it's the View Lounge. It's uh, overlooking the sports book. Uh, by the way, this week is going, Bobby. I think I'll need a Modelo. I got my buddies coming in from out of town. They're going to meet me there. I'll have a fresh bucket of Modellos. Hopefully get an opportunity to have one with you. And we'll be there for the kickoff of March Madness, these playing games and all that. And uh, we really appreciate the Strat. Proud partner here. I'm looking forward to going in there. I've been in there a few times for live music. So we'll be out there tomorrow. Now, a couple of tweets asked me if I expect anything big for tomorrow. And I said, who the hell knows? I have no idea. Now, are the Raiders doing a decent job adding picks for the draft? Yeah, if you look at it that way. Fresh powder, as we call it. The term back in the Revolutionary War. The Raiders have fresh powder to fire at the draft. If they want to go big and balls out at the draft, do they have one more move via free agency? We'll know on Friday we'll have a brand new edition of Raiders Roundtable. A new Raiders Roundtable today with Lincoln Kennedy, which is always exceptional. You can get that at Raiders.com or follow the Raiders on all their social media. Q's on deck, and man, is he ready to go. <laughs> I was with Q at 8 in the morning at the Raider facility before the Waller announcement. And now, which hasn't been formally announced, Q will take over and have a big show. Have a great day, everybody. I always appreciate you listening to the flagship of the Las Vegas Raiders.